You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For Inside Carolina, I'm Taylor Vipolis, and this is a new podcast to the Inside Carolina lineup up in the rafters where 2017 ACC Player of the Year national champion Justin Jackson and myself will be talking about all things Carolina basketball. Before we get started, though, I just wanted to say thank you for being here. Be sure you subscribe to Inside Carolina wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube so you never miss out on any of the content the team at IC puts out. The support doesn't go unnoticed on this end. Speaking of support, we want to support the people that support us. So that's why I've got to mention our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt. When it comes to Carolina apparel, they have everything that you could possibly want. The t-shirts, the jerseys, the hats, you name it, they will probably have it. It's great people and great customer service since it's locally owned and operated by alumni. You could visit them in person on Franklin Street if you're going to be in Chapel Hill for a game or online at johnnytshirt.com. And don't forget, Inside Carolina premium subscribers save 10% off their orders. All right, it's up in the rafters. As always, I'm joined by my guy, Justin Jackson. And Justin, since the last time we talked, UNC lost its third game of the season by 20-plus points, getting blown out on the road at Wake Forest and has since rebounded with back-to-back double-digit wins over a couple of the conference's bottom dwellers in Virginia Tech and Boston College. As you've watched Carolina basketball over the past week, what have been your thoughts with their overall performances? Um, I mean, I think you saw kind of like three totally different like games you know whenever you watch the game against Wake Forest I mean they Wake Forest basically just swung the ball a couple times and then just found the mismatch that they wanted and ISO'd whoever it was and um, you know they basically dominated from start to finish Um, I think can't remember his name um, but the freshman that had his career high I mean he was literally every single one of his buckets was an isolation drive and score and a foul or just a score. And so you kind of saw that. Um, but then I kind of, you know, I, I think I, I would say that I'm kind of a fair guy. Like the last two games against Virginia Tech and Boston College, even though, like you said, those teams are kind of at the bottom of the ACC, there's never an easy game in the ACC. And I think you saw two kind of gritty type wins, especially the Boston College game where, I mean, they shot what, below 30% or around 30%. Um, and those type of games, I mean, you just have to make plays to win. And um, it doesn't matter if you're playing my little sister or you're playing freaking Duke, right? Like you in the ACC, you just have to find a way to win sometimes. And um, that was one thing that I was, I was, I was happy to see was they kept on battling, kept on fighting and got through those, got through those games. So um Hopefully they can kind of keep that mindset even whenever they are hitting shots and, you know, playing well um, and kind of just continue that. The Wake Forest game was it it was another performance in a long line of games this season, which the team simply looked outmatched from the start. Wake Forest, like you mentioned, they were getting kind of everything they wanted. And I don't want to spend too much time on that game since it already did take place last Saturday. But have you ever seen a team attempt 22 more more field goal attempts more shots in a game and still lose by 22 because when you have that many more extra shots it those numbers just aren't adding up 
Yeah, I mean, I think it just kind of shows to how much better shot, shot selection Wake Forest had over UNC. You know, like, it's cool to have more shots, but if Wake Forest is getting, you know, 75% of their buckets at the rim and UNC shooting threes and, you know, step back jumpers and that kind of stuff, then whoever has the better percentage of shots, I feel like is going to end up winning. And I think that's kind of what it was, was, I mean, Wake Forest, especially whenever I watched the first half, the first half, I mean, it was a layup almost every other play down, every other play down the floor. Um, you know, and like I said, obviously we have talented guys on the offensive end who can make jump shots and knock down tough shots and things like that. But when you're in a hostile environment, like Wake Forest was that night, um, and Wake Forest is a pretty good team this year. You know, they've got some pretty good players. Um, and so when you're in an environment like that, taking tough shots like that can kind of be a deflator whenever you don't make them. And so I think that's kind of what you saw was Wake Forest was just taking it at them. Like, okay, we want a layup. Let's go get a layup, right? And North Carolina was having to work for everything they had and ended up taking some tough shots here and there. So, um, you know, like you said, it is – it is one of those one of those things where it's you don't want to harp on it because it was almost a week ago and they've got a huge game coming up tomorrow. Um, but you know, I think it's they definitely need to kind of learn from that and figure out okay, what is the best shot selection that we can get and that we want as a team, um, and hopefully they can you know learn that and, and play to that strength. Yeah, and in the post-game press conference after the Wake Forest game, Hubert Davis was pretty honest in saying that, you know, Wake Forest, which just had the better players that night, and he kind of compared it to his time in the NBA where, like, he could do all the right things defensively. He could be, you know, one pass away in his gap, but if the ball swings to him and he's guarding a Kobe Bryant or a Michael Jordan, there wasn't too much that he could do in that situation. And with your experience, I'm wondering – in your time in the NBA, have you ha ever had any of those nights where you're trying to do everything right, but the person across from you is just just on a completely different level athletically or talently um, to where you're you're just searching for answers and, you know, there there isn't too many answers that you could find? Yeah, I mean, that, it happens in basketball all the time. Like, people, people wonder, like, why they're – certain blowouts and how these games happen and things like that. Um, but it's basketball. Like, you know, not too long ago, I had a game where I literally, every shot I shot, it felt great. And it just didn't go in. Right. Like it was just like, Oh, like what, what's going on? Like in and out hard miss short miss. Like I just can't get anything to fall. And then the other team was going crazy. I'm talking about hitting three celebrating afterwards. Like, and we weren't – it's not that anything changed. It's not that we were playing defense any differently or I was shooting the ball any differently. But it's just how the game of basketball works, right? Like some guys have off nights. Some guys go crazy. And it doesn't matter what happens. You know, like I think back to – you know, Kenny is going to hate me for this. But I think back to uh, the game against Kentucky whenever we were on the neutral floor in, in Vegas my junior year. And Malik Monk had 47. Right. Like we didn't change anything defensively at all. Like we still stuck to the same principles that ended up winning us a national championship. But the guy was just on a different level. Like he just there was nothing you could do if he caught the ball. More than likely, the ball was going in. Um, 
And so games like that happen, right? Like you don't want to overreact to games like that because at the end of the day, they did shoot the ball really well. Um, but I think it's it's more of the little things that you have to look at in games like that as far as like, did we stick to who we are? You know, did we stick to the game plan offensively and defensively? Did we stick to what coach was telling us we needed to stick to to win the game? Um, and if you did, you can hold your head high and, you know, move on to the next game. But if there's some things that maybe you got away from and you're doing that, you know, you don't usually do or whatever, then those are the things that you can kind of learn from. You mentioned it a bit earlier, but to expand on it a little further, against Boston College, Carolina shot 29.1% from the floor, the lowest in school history in a win. Credit that little nugget to uh, UNC's SID, Steve Kirshner. He's always pretty good with with providing uh, this the extra stats like that, but – for, for as ugly as that game was, is this a win where a team can build on it, where you can look at it and be like, you know, look how poorly we shot the ball and we still found a way to grind out a victory uh, holding Boston College scoreless for, I think, like the last seven and a half minutes of that game? It is for sure, because whenever you look at their field goal percentage and why they shot so bad, you look at kind of how Armando played. He had an off night, right? But all of his shots were around the rim. You know what I mean? Like most of his shots are layups, putbacks, little floaters here and there. Um, and those weren't falling. And so when you look at that, you don't really expect him to miss shots like that, you know, every single game. Um, and so I think it is. It's one of those things I, I always say, you know, like all the wins, they don't have to be pretty, right, as long as they're a win. And so they, I think you saw them kind of, um, you know, even through the adversity and it's kind of something that we've talked about is, you know, when guys are making shots, it's human nature. When guys are making shots, like you have a different energy level about you, but whenever you're missing shots, it's a little tougher to stay, you know, locked in on defense or stay locked into, you know, the game plan that you had for the game. And I think this game, they, you know, they continue to work defensively, you know, obviously, um, you know, Boston College, you know, they made a run kind of there towards the end of the game. But then, like you said, for seven, six or seven minutes, they held them scoreless. So I think it is something that you can build on from that aspect. Um, and then you just, you know, hope that Armando and, and guys like that don't have that off of shooting nights very often. Yeah. And then in his postgame press conference after the Boston College game, Coach Davis said that he felt the team was a bit tired with it being their third game in five days. And that kind of led to some of their poor shooting performances. How much does that affect a team? And where is that fatigue most noticeable when you do have a stretch of like three games in five days? I mean, it's definitely different. Um, you know, college is a lot different than the NBA from the standpoint of um, the NBA, like the travel schedule and the game schedule is crazy, but you don't really practice much. Um, you know, once the season kind of gets going in college, you know, and I'm not totally sure how coach Davis's practice you know, schedule is, but in college, even when you have those days in between games, you, you're still coming in there and doing something, you know, like you're having a light practice or something. Um, and so it is a little bit different because then once you get to the game, you know, the game, especially, I think something that's, a lot different in North Carolina as opposed to maybe, you know, a Boston college, no disrespect to any other school, but a Boston college or Virginia tech or somebody like that is 
every time somebody comes into the Dean Dome, they're going to give you their best shot. So every game is going to be a hard fought game. You know, whether you win by 50 or you lose by 15, like every game is going to be hard. So I think whenever you think about three games in five days, you know, especially as a college student, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to get your body recovered as much as you would like if you were in the NBA or you didn't have school or a test or a paper due or, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's social life. Like you still want to hang with some friends or whatever, like it's different. So maybe that is um, an issue, but at the end of the day, once you get on that court, you got to find whatever it is in you to, uh, to be able to go out there and get a win. And they did that the last two games, thankfully. After a couple of strong performances where he carried uh, UNC offensively and started to put himself in the ACC player of the year conversation, Armando Baycott has kind of fallen off now with him shooting two of 23 um, from the field, his last 23 shot attempts. It's, it's tough to shoot under 10% when you're from that distance around the rim. But if you're Carolina, how do you get Baycott back to where he was before this tough stretch and get him more comfortable on the court around the rim and finishing because he is such a, an important piece for this UNC team moving forward? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think a lot of it is you're just seeing teams change their defensive scheme on him. Like at first, when you think about the season, when he was putting up those crazy numbers, and like you said, I mean, I think he's still in the conversation for ACC player of the year, but when he was, you know, I, I would personally say one of the front runners for that, for that award. Um, when you look at it, he was getting the ball on the block and it was him and one guy, you know, and, and with a guy like him as athletic and strong and with his touch around the rim, it's going to be hard to, to stop him. I think the last few games you've seen them double, you've seen them, you know, on the catch, they have somebody right there, whether they're stunning or coming for the full double. Um, and so I think it's just a matter of him finding ways um, around kind of getting doubled and, and Coach Davis and, and the team running things that kind of get some sort of misdirection and then get him, you know, playing against just one defender. Um, but, I mean, it happens whenever you put up crazy numbers like that. You know, like Bryce Johnson, whenever we were playing, he was doubled multiple times, right, because nobody could guard him one-on-one. Um, and so whenever – they kind of change up the the defensive scheme, then you have to kind of figure something out. But I think that's kind of what it is. I don't, you know, obviously it's it's tough. Like I said, basketball, you have off nights, right? You go through little shooting slumps, even if it's seven feet from the basket, right? Like you just can't really find the touch. But I think they have to find some sort of way to kind of create easy opportunities for them as opposed to trying to go on, you know, going against a double team every time down the floor. Um so I think that's kind of what you're seeing. Yeah, there's no doubting that he's the focal point for this Carolina team offensively, and defenses are turning all of their attention towards slowing him down. Going into your junior season, how did you adjust your game when teams started putting you higher and higher up on the scouting report and you didn't have people like Marcus Page or like Bryce Johnson, like you mentioned, to kind of take some of that heat off? Um. I mean, I, I think what, what helped is as the season went on, I had, you know, I ended up having guys that took that pressure off, right? I had a Joel, um, I had a Kenny and a Theo and a Kennedy and an Isaiah, you know, and a Tony who were down low that, you know, we could throw the ball into and they 
could go get us a bucket at any time. But I think it's also a little different because I was on the perimeter. I think that's what makes it a little more difficult is, you know, when it's somebody on a block, there's a lot less room that they can operate. And so if you kind of shut that room off a little bit, then that's why you're kind of seeing, you know, it's a little tougher. He's, he's taking a little tougher shots or he's having to just kick it out because there's not a ton of room. Um, but I mean, it's just a learning experience, right? Like he, you know, before now he wasn't necessarily, you know, the guy on the top of the scouting report where they're changing their defenses, you know, like, I don't know how much Virginia Tech and Boston College have done it before, but I'm sure they haven't gone full out trap every time a guy in the post gets it this season, right? Like, and so when, when teams start changing defenses, then you just have to start kind of learning, okay, you know, I'm going to have to kick it out, you know, as much as I can. But when I see that I have an opportunity against one player, then I got to go put them in the rim, you know? And I think that's kind of, it's just a learning experience, you know, and it's, it's an, honestly, it's an honor to be doubled like he's being doubled. And I, and I think one thing too, that I love to see is that they're still getting him the ball. You know, it's not that they're seeing that he's being doubled and, you know, they're just kind of, okay, he's, we can't get him the ball because, you know, it's nothing's going inside they're still getting him involved. And I think if they keep doing that and they find different ways to kind of change, you know, like I said, whether it's a misdirection or it's a pick and roll and getting him into some sort of space, um, you know, out of the role, as opposed to just straight up posting up and waiting for the double to come, you know, I think, I think they'll, they'll be fine. It's just a matter of just learning and, you know, kind of growing in that area. Yeah. Hubert Davis mentioned that in his, post-game press conference where it's it's on him to get more creative and find different sets to get Armando the ball in different spaces or get him the ball um, even lower in the basket where it's it's harder for teams to kind of send those double teams and you mentioned the 2017 team how, how much more freeing is it offensively when you know that when you shoot the ball you guys were rebounding and scoring your your putbacks at like a 70 percent clip that always helps. It always helps. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I was joking the other day. Um, you know, obviously you have Kennedy, Isaiah. Yeah, they were two monsters down there. But then you had a Tony who played like, what, maybe 20 minutes a game, maybe. And I think he was like leading the entire country in offensive rebounding percentage, like in those minutes. Um so it does help because for one, you know, if you miss the ball, if you miss the shot, more than likely somebody's going to get the rebound, but then it just creates more opportunities for you to shoot. Right. So it's like anytime you get offensive rebound, the, the most open shots are usually kick out threes. So for me, I was loving it. Like, okay, I missed one <laughs> go and kick it back out. Uh, but no, I mean, I think that's, I think that's something that's really big. And I think too, you know, one, I think one person that should, you know, we should kind of give some credit to man because he's kind of caught some, um, you know, some heat kind of just with, you know, kind of some of his games. But Leaky, the last two games, man, has actually been, for one, a little more aggressive offensively. But then you're also seeing, we had talked about previously, kind of other things that he can do outside of just scoring offensively to be a threat. Um, and you're seeing him, you know, what he had two or three offensive rebounds last game, created more opportunities offensively. Um, you know, he knocked down the, the opening three point shot in the, in the, in the corner. Um, and was a little more aggressively when it came to being on the offensive end. 
Um, so I got to give him some credit too. And defensively, he's, you know, the last couple of games playing against some of their better players. Um, I feel like he's done a lot better job of really being locked in. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, the offensive rebounding doesn't always have to come from Armando. You know, you know, he's going to get his rebounds and even Brady gets mixed in, in there a little bit. Um, but it can come from a leaky. It can come from a Caleb Love who's extremely athletic, right? Um, so I, I got to give him a shout out a little bit too because he's played he's played pretty well these last couple games. Yeah, Leaky had the offensive rebound and putback when Boston College was starting to make their run, and I think the putback put the lead back up to seven, and that was kind of the point where you felt like Carolina had enough breathing room to hold on and win that game, but. For UNC, they've now had three straight games with the team shooting 20-plus free throws, and that was a big point of emphasis from Hubert Davis in his post-game press conference when he was asked you know, what he likes that the team is doing. Between Baycott down low getting fouled or guards that can get downhill in a hurry like R.J. Davis and Caleb Love, how have you seen that aggression trying to get to the line help out this UNC team? that has struggled at times on the offensive end, figuring out, you know, who to play through or how to play through team basketball. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's something that they need to really take advantage of. I mean, when you have two guys like RJ and Caleb who can, like you said, get downhill um, when you are able to get downhill and transition with the speed and the ability to finish like those two guys have, um, it just creates way more opportunities, you know, like in the ACC, it's tough going against a set defense every single game, like every single possession, every single you know time you come down the floor. If a team is set, more than likely they've already scouted your plays. You know, in the ACC, you play each other twice, right? So you you know, okay, you know when we were in school, it was okay. We're gonna come down. We're gonna run secondary break, right? Secondary break is gonna to you know swing swing you know, back screen, screen down, like it, 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 so every team knew what we were running. So at times you got to be able to get just easy buckets. And I, I think you saw, I think RJ did a really good job last game. He drew a couple fouls, um, getting out in transition and, and, and attacking the rim. Um, obviously Armando, Armando's going to do his thing down low, um, whether it's offensive, being on the offensive glass or just straight up getting a post up. Um, but I think that's something that they do have to take advantage of is really getting out in transition, especially with the talent and the speed that, and athleticism that they have, um, you know, out of the point guard and the wing positions as well. Yeah, not only is Carolina getting to the line, but they're also converting a lot of their chances at the free throw line. They're 36 in the country right now. When it comes to field, uh, free throw percentage shooting, 76.06%. So they're... I feel like in the past they've kind of given Carolina fans a, a reason to worry when they're shooting free throws and you tell a Carolina fan that a game is going to come down to free throws at the end, you, you might start getting some nervous hands. Um, but this team, for the most part, they, they have been pretty good from the free throw line where that hasn't been an issue. And the, the other thing that kind of stuck out that stood out to me after the Boston college game is UNC is now 11 and 0 at home with tougher games coming up like next Saturday, hosting Duke this Saturday, they're hosting NC state two Saturdays from now it's Florida state. So the teams that are coming to the Dean dome are going to get a lot tougher, but being beat, being unbeaten at home, how significant 
do you think that is for this team being as hot and cold as they are, that they have something like that, that they can fall back on? I mean, I think it's huge. Um, home court advantage is, uh, especially in college is like, is a huge thing. Um, and I think a part of that goes out, you know, shout out to the fans coming out, shout out to the students, shout out to everybody that comes out to the games and, and brings that energy, right? Like that's, you know, the players really do feed off of that. Um, and, you know, as much as they've had up and down seasons, I think that's something that they can hang their hat on is anytime we play at home, we protect home court, you know, and obviously, like you said, they're about to play some, some tougher competition, but I think that's something that they can go in and build their confidence on knowing, okay, look, this is home court, right? We've protected up to this point. We're going to continue to protect it. Um, and so, you know, being at home is always, especially in those big games like an NC state or a Duke or obviously Florida state is really good this year. Um, those games are always the most fun. So um, hopefully they can kind of continue that mindset of just trying to protect um, their home. And, you know, the fans keep on coming out and bringing that energy. Saturday, NC state coming to town. And also on Saturday, UNC will be honoring Roy Williams. No coincidence that it's coming against NC state, a team that he was 33 and five against in his career. He, he seemed to understand the significance between the NC state and UNC rivalry and it, it seemed like from the outside looking in, he had a little extra hate in his heart for a guy who doesn't have too much hate in his heart. But he, it seemed like he had a little extra uh, there for the Wolfpack. Do you have any good Roy Williams stories when it comes to the NC State rivalry? I don't, man. I just know, you know, and I don't even I don't even truly know where it came from, but you know, everybody always gets hyped up about the Duke North Carolina rivalry. Um, but the coaching staff, including coach Williams, um, like, and a few other guys, they would always get the most fired up for NC state games. Um, I mean, those, you always knew when the NC state game was as a player, because the coaches were on one in practice. And just every time you talk to them, like you could just tell they were so focused on this game. Um, so, yeah, I feel like there's definitely no no better game than the NC State game at home to honor honor Coach Williams. So um, that would be it, a You fun. think it was intentional? <laughs> possibly. I think it possibly. I mean, he's, he's been at, like, every home game up to this point. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, and, and, and it was even probably set up by himself to make sure it was on the NC State game. So, you know, Coach thinks he's slick, but he's not. We, we see it. In your career at UNC, you were five and one against NC State. And the last time you played them in the Dean Dome, it was one of the most unforgettable team performances where UNC beat NC State 107 to 56. What do you remember most from that day and that game? I remember that was the game that had to be rescheduled because of a snow day. Um, and we were low key upset that we didn't play because I think it was that they, their bus couldn't drive or something like that to the Dean dome is why we had to uh, reschedule. Um, and so we were upset because obviously we had, you know, the emotions of, okay, it's NC state, North Carolina. It didn't matter to us if fans can make it to the Dean dome or not, like we were ready to go. Um, and so then once that game came, I don't know, man, it was, that was a, uh, 
you know, thankfully the guy like Dennis Smith got in foul trouble. I will say that, um, which was one of their key, I mean, their biggest player. Um, but uh, the, the lead just kept on growing. Like, I don't really know. There was never a time when I was like, well, dang, we just went on a crazy run. The, the lead just kept growing. Like it never stopped, you know, even going into halftime, it was like, you know, most of the time you go into halftime and if you're down, it's like, okay, you know what? Like, let's go. Like, we're going to come out here. We're going to fight. Like, but we came back out and it was as if it just kept like it, it never, the momentum never stopped. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a crazy game. Um, what we ended up winning by 50, is that what it was? Um, 51. Yeah. So that was, yeah. uh, yeah, that was, that was a crazy, that was the most I've ever won by. I will say that ever in my basketball career. Um, so yeah, it was a wild one. Yeah. Uh, I just pulled up the, the play-by-play in that game and just listen to this one stretch. It's 82-48 with 8.32 left. And you've got a Justin Jackson made three-pointer, 85-48. You get a couple of stops on Justin Jackson offensive rebound. Justin Jackson made layup, 87-48. You get a stop off of Markel Johnson, missed three, Tony Bradley defensive rebound. And then you get a Justin Jackson made three-pointer, a 90-48. NC State calls a timeout after, after a quick 8-0 run from Justin Jackson himself. Hey, man, you know, you have those games, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you have those games. But, yeah, that was uh, that was definitely one that when I still see the highlights, like, it's uh, – I remember how fun it – like, that was – those are the games where you just have fun. Like, you're you're just – you're just out there just having fun, man. So um, hopefully they can, you know, have that type of game at tomorrow at what, one o'clock, two o'clock. Yeah. 2 PM. Um, so hopefully they can have that same feeling. Yep. And that's all we have this week for up in the rafters, Carolina back in action tomorrow, Saturday, 2 PM at home against NC state. And then they go on the road Tuesday, February 1st at Louisville. Justin, always appreciate the time and looking forward to talking next week. I appreciate it, man. Get the champagne ready. The NBA Finals are here. Welcome to the NBA Finals. Let's raise our glasses and our rings to the two phenomenal teams left standing. My goodness! Here's the high-stakes action to thrilling moments we can't miss. He ties the game at the buzzer. And to crowning our next champion. Here's a toast to the NBA Finals. Bow! The 2024 NBA Finals presented by YouTube TV continue on ABC.